Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling, conversational interviews, and Carrie's natural curiosity, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of entrepreneurs, athletes, medical professionals, politicians, and other successful people, all sharing their stories of success and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Gray. My guest today is Captain Olivia O. Wyatt. She is a sailor, award-winning filmmaker, TV producer, writer, and United States Coast Guard certified captain. Currently, Olivia is living aboard her haunted 34-foot sailboat Juniper that is moored in the Solomon Islands of the Pacific. Akin to street cred, Olivia's sailing cred is beyond impressive. Captain Wyatt, as I like to call her, has over 11,000 nautical miles of Pacific Ocean beneath her boat and has sailed more than 9,000 of those miles solo. Along with her passion for the sea is her calling to meet and bring awareness of endangered indigenous people through her sailing adventures, storytelling, and filmmaking. Her 2015 feature-length documentary, Sailing the Sinking Sea, is eye and ear candy for the senses. You swim underwater, sail on turquoise seas, learn sea gods mythology, and watch Moken lovers fall in love. You may have heard of the Mokens. They are the seafaring community in Thailand that, because of their preserved folklore, survived the Tusami of 2004. Today, Olivia has set her sights on the 2026 Golden Globe race. Some of the rules are sailors must sail alone, nonstop, in retrofitted sailboats using 1968 technology. The race starts in France, sails from west to east around the Great Capes. Interestingly, more people have been to space than have rounded the Capes and she will be the first American woman to do so solo. It is with great pleasure to welcome to the table the smart, pretty, brave, ambitious, creative, award-winning, ethnographic filmmaker and sailor, Captain Olivia O'Wyatt. Hello, good afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) If that hasn't whet your appetite for this show, I don't know if there's anything that ever would. I'm still stuck on the haunted boat part at the beginning. (laughs) Never mind all the other stuff. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Olivia, you are a total package. (laughs) Thank you. What does your mother and father think about this? Well, when I wrote to my mom and dad that I was going to cross the ocean, like when I first set sail, from San Diego to Hawaii, I gave them a heads up. My mom didn't speak to me for three weeks, <laughs> but now she's on board. Not, li- no, not no, literally. No, oh. figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Pun, no pun intended. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about your solo trip to Hawaii and uh, the adventure, the hallucinations, the godlike experiences, how it changed you forever, your regrets, your satisfaction that all came from it. And I also want to talk about your preparation, your goal for racing in the 2026 Golden Globe race around the Great Capes, which are South Africa, South America, and Australia. Australia. Okay. But before we get to your extraordinary life adventures, let's set the table for our listeners. How does a young girl from landlocked Arkansas fall in love with the ocean? I don't know. I've just always been in love. I mean, we would go vacation on the ocean when I was younger, and my parents couldn't get me out of the sea. Are you talking about like the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, like Gulf. Yeah, we went to Mexico and Florida, places like that. And then after college, I moved to New York. And about two months there, I realized I could live in New York, but on the beach. The end of the A train is Rockaway Beach, New York. So I moved straight away out there. And I commuted an hour to the city each day. Um, and then that's where I learned sailing. Somebody bought me sailing lessons for my birthday out there, and that was it. I was just... I but knew- you went to school for journalism. I did. I studied photojournalism. And you worked for... Magnum Photos, which in- is a documentary photo agency. It's global, but it's run by the photographers themselves. So do you love sailing, or do you love writing, or do you love filmmaking? I love it all. 
when I when I'm sailing, I write every day that I'm at sea, and I think that keeps me really grounded um, because I have this. Well, my mom can send me through satellite like messages that blog readers are writing back, and it and it feels like I'm not alone. So you can get satellite out in the ocean. I can. Is but there I, anywhere you cannot get satellite? No, but now with Starlink, you can get it anywhere, you can yeah. get everything. But I don't. I bought a Starlink and I already sold it because I didn't want to be that connected. And now with this race, I can't have any technology on board. You know, I'll be uh, using celestial navigation to find my way with the sun and stars. Mm-hmm. No computers. Nothing. Starlink is the Elon Musk satellite yeah. service, right? Right. Um, you went and got a USCG. Um, certification, sailor certification, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be part of the Coast Guard to get that certification? No, um, it's a, called a captain's license, and there's different tonnage depending on what kind of boat you you want to work on. Um, and I was just getting it to use my boat personally to, to run charters on, so I got a 50-ton, which is one of the smaller licenses, but that's still pretty. My, For example, my boat is only, I think, uh, eight or nine tons. So, And how long's your boat? My boat is 34 feet. So just for perspective, your boat, 34 feet, is how many tons? About eight to nine. And you've got 50 ton. And I have a 50 ton license, so I could I could be driving a boat much bigger. So could you uh, navigate the barge down the Suez Canal? Well, I was going to take my boat up the Suez because I need to get over to Europe, and it's kind of the fastest right. way, but um, it's not safe to go in the Suez right now. Uh, just... Uh, there's a lot of war and tension going on. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't know that it's safe to go anywhere alone as a woman on a sailboat. <laughs> I mean, I've always heard about pirates in the Caribbean and pirates out at sea. I mean, it is kind of lawless at sea, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's pretty lawless. I mean, I've I have been robbed. I got robbed when I was in Fiji, but I wasn't on board. Um, I have a friend that got boarded and while, she, you know, she was on board and she got robbed by nine people. But that was down, I think, in uh, Panama, the Panama area. Um, but I haven't had anything really bad happen. Thank God. Yeah. Do you feel like it's you just have to be sort of aware of where you're going ahead of time, like kind of know what the state of affairs is on the water where you're going? Yeah. And when I'm. When I'm near land, I'm always buddy boating. So I'll be with other boats uh, uh, just because I am alone. It is safer. You know, if something were to happen, I have people around. Um, but when I'm at when I'm offshore, it's a gamble. And I have had it where there was a boat sitting right in front of me. I woke up one night and it was, there was a boat just right in front of me, maybe two nautical miles. And I thought they were waiting to attack me. But it turns out they were just fishing and they were setting things in the water. What ocean was that? That was in the North Pacific. That was on my way to Hawaii. But, you know, I was really, I had a knife out. I was ready for action. Do you have a gun? No, because uh, I, I'm kind of anti-guns. I was in mm-hmm. a robbery when I was 14 and shot at and the bullet missed me three inches to my right. And ever since then, I, yeah, I just, I refused to carry. In Little Rock, Arkansas? That was in Conway. Well, I'm not sure that, you know, I would even be able to shoot somebody with a gun, even if I, I mean, I just don't know that it's in my nature to kill somebody. Even if they're about to kill me, I don't know if I could make that split second decision before they took the gun away from me and shot me with my own gun. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'd manage it properly either. Right, yeah, especially if you're alone out at sea for a long time. Yeah, just a lot to take care of. Well, and you're hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, sure you get a little crazy and you're like, is this reality or is this not reality? Yeah. It is like being on a drug. <laughs> yeah. Like Whoa. the longer you're out there. Yeah. yeah. You start going, did the sun come up? What day is it? Uh, eventually, you did buy a boat, the Juniper, and you love this boat. And I highly recommend anybody listening to go and look at your boat and take the tour of your boat online. It's on YouTube. And it is charming. So tell us about your 34-foot boat. I can't say the name of the tie. Uh, it's ta- it's a 34-foot Toshing Panda, and it was built in Taiwan. And my mainsail has a little panda face on it, because that's the type of boat that it is. Um, 
And she's beautiful. She feels like a you know magical little hobbit hole. That the she has a lot of wood on her interior and a, a lot uh, some big round curves. And she did have wood decks, but I removed them because it's that's a lot of holes having the boat, and it was uh, water was leaking in, so I took those off. But um, I don't know. She just feels really classic. She sails very well. Um, and she's Juniper. 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 Yeah, the previous owner died on board i believe That's i mean why yeah if he didn't die on board i mean he was very close to the end of his life on board and um the boat set empty for 10 years and a lot of a lot of strange things have happened and people will come on board that i've just met and they'll be like somebody died in here or somebody's haunting this place and that and i know it too i mean i feel it but it's it's fun when other people experience it friendly ghost Mm, I don't know. I think he likes, you know, he doesn't want me to go into certain areas. like Poltergeist? Kind of like whenever (laughs) I'm working on the engine, things will go wrong or um, he'll open and close cabinets and... uh, I don't know. He he may kind of causes a little scene. I and, love this. and the clock, there, I have one clock, and every time I walk by it, it chimes, but it's only supposed to chime two times a day or every hour and every half hour. Sorry, two times an hour. But it just does it every time I walk by it. Headlamps go, like the lights will just start flashing and then go off. And why? I don't know. Do, haunted, do you, have, have you seen a pattern of, like you said, you walk by the clock, so it happens. So why do the lights flash on and off? You bring a guy on board. Does it don't don't like it? No, I no. That'll be when I'm alone at sea. But the lights are, or if I'm working on something. So like, I have two different headlamps. They were bought at two different times. I remember we were working on the engine one day, and my friend was wearing one, and I the other. And I went to use the bathroom, and he screamed. And I said, "Well," and this is like a, you know, he wouldn't normally scream about something. So I was like, "Is everything okay?" And he's like, "No, the headlamp is doing something weird." I said, oh, the battery must be going out. And right as I said that, mine started doing. He goes, see, that's what mine was doing. I don't know. I don't know why. And then sometimes I'll just be reading and it's like, it looks like it's controlled by poltergeist. I love that. Um, yeah, there's more. There's a lot of stories. But what is there a best story? Um, there's one I am not comfortable sharing because y'all might think I'm crazy, but (laughs) (laughs) perfect. (laughs) That's perfect. Uh. Um, but there is one, a friend's kid was over all the cabinets on a boat have something called an elbow latch. So it's when you're at sea, they won't just fly open. You have to put your finger in a hole and then pull this little trigger and it opens the cabinet. Well, my friend's two-year-old was on board. He doesn't know how to work the cabinets. We would just be talking and we'd turn around and he'd be holding one of our my tools mm. from my tool cabinet in his hand. And I'd go and I'd put the tool away and I'd make sure the door was locked. Ten minutes later, he'd have another tool in his hand. And it just kept going on and on. Finally, I was like, y'all have to get out of here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a poltergeist. So yeah. do you, does it make you feel – what What does a poltergeist mean? A tricky – A tricky uh, a tricky ghost? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Are they always nefarious? I don't know if this one. I don't think they're always nefarious. I think they just what's nefarious mean? Like evil, like evil intentioned. Just you know, they mess with stuff. Do you think yours is evil intentioned? No, but I think it wants to be like the captain of the boat again, and it would it would like me out of the way. But I will say that he might be gone because when I got last year when I was in Fiji, a woman came on board and she's like, oh somebody has died on here and then she went to the mountains and came back like she was like i gotta go climb the mountain and get this leaf yeah she came back six hours later with this magical leaf and she burned it and prayed it wasn't sage oh it's some leaf local Uh to fiji i can't uh, i can't remember the name of it i think it's like tale t starts with a t anyway she burned it and sang and prayed and it's gone she said it was gone now and i haven't had much activity since I believe in that. I had a haunted house for a little while, and I didn't ever believe it, but my young son kept seeing this girl. Somebody came over and told me that I used to see this girl, and this closet always smelled, and always, and he would never let me open this closet, and it always had this smell that would come and go, and it wouldn't be there, and we'd think it was something in the wall. And then finally, when I came back, and I moved back in, started moving stuff around in that room, that smell kept coming and going and coming and going, and I went out to the garden, and I bought some brought some sage in and i burned that put that sage in the closet it is gone it has never come back it was there for 20 years yeah sage is really powerful i always have some on board 
But this this one, I mean, he wasn't moving with sage. Oh. I saged every cabinet. I saged everything. I was praying on my own. But th- this lady, I think, was more powerful than I am. So your big, beautiful uh, uh, juniper has a cuttery with a big kill. Yes. And you talk about how it's the size of Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a big kill. <laughs> and that's so... Um, that, that's really not that actually the race requires a full keeled boats the race that I'm doing so you can't go on the boat with any other keel but they make all different shapes um, and it affects the way that the boat handles how fast it can go um, but the full keel she tracks really nicely in heavy seas and it's really they're very durable blue water boats meaning good for going offshore you said when she sails, she sings. Yes. What does that mean? Well, because she does, you know, when the wind is blowing through everything, there's all these sounds. And then I hang wind chimes up, these wind chimes that are made in the Pyrenees Mountains. So those are always going. And I put prisms. I have these hatches on the top of the boat. So I put um, this prism paper on it and there's rainbows uh, bathing the entire ship and moving around and... Is that why the cabin is always full of rainbows? Yes. Because you have prism paper on there. Yeah, it's like a contact paper that makes prisms. It's beautiful. Thank you. It really is eye candy. Her YouTube channel is, or your Instagram are so really fun to watch. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Sea Captain Olivia Wyatt, who is preparing for a 2026 Golden Globe race around the Great Capes, where she sails nonstop, solo, using 1968 technology. I'm talking about a compass, the sun, and the stars. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply flagandbanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016, branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and, in 2021, opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, theflagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. We're speaking today with Captain Olivia Wyatt, a native of landlocked Little Rock, Arkansas, who has found a love for the sea and may very well be the first American woman to ever sail solo around the world, passing the three great capes in the 2026 Golden Glove race. Talk about your solo trip before we talk about the race and how people can follow you. And I loved looking at your website and reading about the 2026 race and looking at the, uh, are they called trade winds or what is that that you have? Oh, that's the map of um, our route. And it shows the current. Uh, it has arrows of, and I guess it's the current or, in the ocean. Or that's the, no, that's showing the direction that we're going, I think, because the lines overlap at some point. Yes, but it's also got all the ocean currents okay. in it. Yeah. And it is, I don't know how you sail through all of that. I mean, you have to cross these currents that cross each other that look extremely scary. And for people not watching this this and listening to it, but aren't watching it on YouTube, Olivia, you're not as big as me, and I'm not big. How tall are you? <laughs> I think I'm five and a half feet. Yeah. You have a 30. You How tall is your mast? Oh, the, 30 feet? Yeah, the mast. I don't know, actually. The length. I mean, I have it on my schematic. How does a five-foot woman hoist a wet sail up a 30-foot mast? Oh, it's really easy. We have this thing <laughs> called winches. Yeah. And, you, and it... Yeah, you it's, said, it's on a track. It's but easy. you said a lot of it has to be done from the top. What do you mean? You said a lot of the mass changing has oh, to be done from the top. Um, all uh, Most of my sail changes, I have to go up to the mast to do it, meaning I can't do it from the cockpit. Only one sail can be controlled from the cockpit. So you climb the mast. I don't climb it, but I have to climb out of the cockpit and, and to the middle of the boat. And when I'm in heavy seas, 
that's not really something you want to be doing. But I have to go, you know, I have to walk forward because you're safer in the cockpit or the cabin when. Sure. Heavy seas. Yeah. And it's always during the heavy seas that you want to change the mast out. Or that you need to change the sail. Yeah. Because um, the stronger the wind is, the less sail you want. Right. You want to reduce your sail. Right. Yeah. So you're sleeping at night in your little cubby hole and all of a sudden a storm blows up and you're like, oh, I better get that sail down. And it's yes. raining. It's terrible. The wind's blowing. Do you have to put a harness on before you go out? I do. I wear something called a PFD or personal flotation device, and um, it's a deflated life jacket. But if I were to fall in the water, there's a little pill that dissolves and it will automatically inflate. And I tether, I put that on and I tether myself to the boat to move around. I bet that makes your mother sleep better at night. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Telling you, she's a trip, y'all. She's a trip. I can't imagine anything more like cozy, though, than like coming back to your cabin after doing something like that. I just feel like there has got to be this really intense feeling of like gratification, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, She's nodding. Yeah. (laughs) So how did it come about that you were going to go solo? You didn't originally think that, did you? No. Um. There's a lot more involved with sailing than just sailing, right? You have to be mechanically and electrically inclined, which I'm not. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff that can break on board. And I think uh, for me, I would after I got the boat, I was learn, you know, I was going out in gales or like really strong winds and seeing how she behaved and learning the boat. And then I knew I wanted to cross, but I didn't want to go alone. And I dated several people, hoping, you know, that they were going to be the ones to go with me. And I realized I was so desperate to find someone I had been sacrificing self-love because I was making really poor decisions in that department. And I realized that I needed to go alone to overcome that, to find that self-love that I was missing and that, self, that self-reliance that and, self and all of that. So it was really kind of a spiritual journey for me. So I was looking for growth. Have you ever been alone on the ocean at night before that? No. <laughs> so sailing to I had only sailed solo for six hours prior to that journey. And that was just over to Catalina Island. So when I got on the boat and I, that that was my first time alone at night. What'd you at think? At sea. I mean, I was nervous. I was because I was um at a higher point of sail. I was sailing closer to the wind, which can feel more chaotic because the way the swell is hitting you and the wind is screaming at you. And, you know, when I was in my birth, it just was like the waves were hammering me. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. It just felt like a marching band was smashing all their instruments right in my ears kind of thing. It was pretty rough conditions. But I just said, you know, um, Olivia, if you can make it to the next morning, just, just see if you can make it to the next morning. Was that the first night? Yeah. So you didn't check the weather before you went out? I did, but I was leaving in the middle of hurricane season. And so... Um, Why? Because, <laughs> because um, well, it was just the very beginning of it, actually. It was August, and I have a weather router. It's a, I, co- I work with Commander's Weather on my weather routing, and it was the optimal time to leave. If I had waited any longer... I would have gotten deeper into the hurricane system. You could have and waited a year, found uh, another boyfriend. No, I just had to do it. <laughs> no, I just had to do the it spiritual then. Spiritual journey, mom. Uh, it yeah. was. I was ready. The boat was ready. It was time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you went on by yourself to Fiji, Fiji, and then from Fiji to Vanuatu, Vanuatu to the Solomons. But I spent about a year in each place. Oh, so this is a four-year trip. So, yeah. So you still have your boat down the Solomon Islands? Uh, the, yes. I just sailed there in September, but I will be leaving there in April. Um, I need to get further west pretty fast. So I'm going to be going through Papua New Guinea and Indonesia. And then by next November, I'll be heading towards Africa. Are you gonna, are you, which Great Cape are you passing then? That is, is, uh, is it New Hope? Go, I think it's Cape of Good Hope. Sorry. Good Hope. <laughs> I get the capes confused sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Me South too. Africa is Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you working as a journalist, kind of like through all of this, taking pictures, writing, stuff like that? 
Yeah, I've been writing and um, taking, you know, making little films as I go, but also I work for companies. So I'm a freelance um, filmmaker and I've done, I did a big project for Google last year, one for National Geographic the year before. It just depends who comes my way, but I have been working probably half a year as I go. How do you get a gig like that? They come to me. They do. I've, They've been watching your stuff and they come to you. I Well, or I'm recommended mm -hmm. or, you know, for example, I made three feature films and making those got me noticed by a, a company called Vice. Mm -hmm. And then Vice hired me to make uh, or produce a TV show for them that was in the same realm as my films. And then from there, like I did a show for Melissa McCarthy the year that I sailed to Hawaii that was on NBC, but she had seen the Vice show. What'd you do? Um, I was uh, the field producer for the show um, Little yeah, Big Shot. Oh, Sorry, good. I keep forgetting the name. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's talk about what happens to a person when you're alone on the sea. Okay. Did you think, oh my God, I've gone crazy. Why did I do this? And how many times did you think that? No, I didn't think I'd gone crazy. I mean, I, you never know what something's going to be like until you're out there. I mean, I had been at sea before, but with other people. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, every time I step foot on that boat or move that boat, I am facing a fear. I mean, it's not like, it doesn't feel like getting on a bike, you know, and just going somewhere. Really? Yeah, for me, <clears throat> it's a lot. It's a lot, especially when you're sailing near land. Because there's things to run into and a lot of things that could go so wrong. sailing near land is scarier. It's scarier. Because especially the parts of the world that I'm in now, they're not charted properly. You can't trust the maps. You can't trust. You have to be using satellites and, yeah. And you got that big keel that can just drag on anything. Yeah, I've hit reef before. What do you do when you do that? Back up? Can you back no, up? Does it have a motor on it? My yeah. boat has an uh, has an inboard engine, yeah, but I had to get five dinghies alongside me, and we took a line from the top of the mast and pulled the boat on its side to get it to slide free. Basically drag it off. Yeah. yeah. And then wow. you got repairs. Yeah, but that wasn't that big. The repairs on that weren't that bad. So talk about the loneliness out there. It's got to be weird to not talk to anybody for that long. Yeah, I miss human voices, but with the satellite, like especially on my first trip, I made, I think, two or three phone calls. One was because my engine stopped working and I worked on it for three days and couldn't get it to go. Um, and then I, I had to call someone like, can I, should I keep going? Should I turn around? And they said, just keep going, but turn all your systems off. So I had to turn all my electronics, my fridge, everything. Once a day, I would turn them on and make sure I was on, you know, going the right way. Uh -huh. Um, but that's because I only had 200 watts of solar and there wasn't a lot of sun that time of year out there. And without the engine, I, I needed the alternator to charge my batteries and I didn't have it. I, I didn't have enough battery power. So this new race that you're going to do in 2026, are they going to let you do solar power? Well, I can have solar in the race. I'm going to have more solar for the race. Yeah. And then will you ever get to turn your engine on? Because that it, you did have engines in, in 1968. Yeah, but you can... So I'll be at sea for 250 days, maybe more, and I can only use what's on board with me, right? So my tank holds 90 gallons of diesel. You don't ever get to stop anywhere and refuel? No. You don't get to stop and get more provisions. That means all the food that's on with, you know, on board with me, that's what I've got. 250 days or worth of food. Yes. I, or I can catch things or like water. I'm going to need to collect rain. You know, I'm going to really be with nature. Uh, being a lover of film and writing, I'm sure you knew you would chronicle your travels. With your emphasis being on documenting indigenous people that are really on the brink of extinction. Well, yeah, all of my documentary films have been about indigenous communities. And, and for this race, we, we now are seeing with the rising sea levels, a lot of communities are being affected. I mean, already um, there are people coming, Solomon Islands, there are certain islands that have, are sinking there are people coming from other neighboring islands and moving to the Solomons because they've already lost their islands. So I really want to raise awareness about what's happening with climate change mm -hmm. to these communities. And they're not really sinking. It's that the water's rising. The water's rising. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which makes the island smaller. Mm -hmm. So well, it makes them sink. Or it makes does, them yeah. sink. <laughs> I thought that was a clever way of, 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 because your movie is called Sailing the Sinking Sea when it's really rising. Well, that, I thought that was a good play on words. 
That's because the Moken, that movie is about a nomadic seafaring tribe called the Moken, and their name literally means sinking in water. And their ancestors told them that was kind of like the curse of who they are. And and that's why they, they've learned to live so, you know, to have this beautiful symbiotic relationship with water. I was fascinated by how simple and easy their life was, and they seemed happy. Although, I must say, some of the women did look kind of like bored to death. Yeah, I think, too, because nowadays... Before they used to all be nomadic mm-hmm. and then only going to the huts, the the huts you see on stilts mm-hmm. during a uh, monsoon season. But now because there's been all these shifts, like societal shifts for them that they're mostly on land. There's only a couple nomadic families that I found. And the, a lot of times the men are being sent to other places to um, to do fishing. And so I think maybe... If I was a woman in that community, I would be. A, I mean, my husband is leaving for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. She, she used to go with him. Yeah. They used to be together making life work on the ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. So do, what, what, what do they die from over there? The food is so clean that they eat. It's probably not cancer. In the, the Moken? Uh-huh. Well, so that was what was cool about their community is that before they didn't have a need for money, right? Even in, up in, like 10 years ago, they were trading. For everything. Um, they had all survived the Indian Ocean tsunami. They had a completely oral tradition. I mean, they're very removed from modern society. So now it, their way of life is shifting. And also, the, so the men, when they're going and working elsewhere, I mean, if you're away from your partner, you know, they're meeting their needs with other women. Mm. And I think uh, diseases are being carrying back and killing them and they're being paid to do dynamite fishing which is illegal but still being done in burma or myanmar Mm -hmm. and uh, that's killing some of the men Um, sometimes they're being pushed beyond their limits but you know they're being paid to do it so and they need money now they yes now they need money whereas before all this they didn't yeah because the ocean used to provide for them and it really doesn't they don't have crabs and stuff like they used to yeah that's what they talk about how everything should be that's because there's been some coral bleachings and they what they're witnessing in their water they're saying we're not taking care of this earth you know our ancestors told us it's going to be a living ghost unless we care for our earth and it's not them that's not caring for it, but everybody around them is not, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, they, the ecosystem is, is totally messed up. All right. It's a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Captain Olivia Wyatt, who is preparing to be the first American woman to sail nonstop solo around the world in the 2026 Golden Globe race. As if manning a sailboat is not enough, she must also do it using 1968 technology. No GPS, just a compass, the sun and the stars. Still to come, details of the Golden Globe race and how you can follow along on her 250-day extraordinary trip around the three Great Capes. Carrie McCoy, president of Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward, and she developed this very radio show as a way to do that. The biographies, experience, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard were it not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an entire hour to an audience about their lives, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. But this unique radio show allows the listener intimate access to the stories of prominent leaders in our state. Up in Your Business is produced at the home of FlagandBanner.com, the historic Taborian Hall in downtown Little Rock, the corner of 9th and State Street. Log on to FlagandBanner.com to learn more about this radio show and to follow us for more information on upcoming guests. You even have access to an entire library and all the platforms on which you can hear these shows. As the underwriter of this program, FlagandBanner.com continues to make positive investments in our community and bring stories of success and struggle to listeners everywhere. This is Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. We're speaking today with Smart, Pretty, Brave, Ambitious, Creative, Award-Winning, Ethnographic, filmmaker and sailor, Captain Olivia Wyatt, who is preparing and raising money for her 2026 Golden Globe race entry fees and boat repairs. As you can imagine, her 1986 sailboat, Juniper, must be in tip-top condition to start such a journey. It is a retro sailboat race, and 
We're going to find out what she needs, how you can follow along and keep up with her and what she's got to do to get ready. This is pretty fascinating. She'll be the first American woman to solo if she does it. So how many times has this race happened, Ben? No, oh, I'll, be, I'll, well, I'll be the first American woman to do this race. There is a woman who is the first American right now. She's out there and she'll be the first American woman to sail solo nonstop around the world. I'll be the first American woman to do that's been invited to the Golden Globe. And I'll be the first American woman to do that without modern technology. Oh, <laughs> so let's yeah. clarify that. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah I just don't want to. <laughs> so is she the first? Yeah. And she I didn't even know that American woman hadn't done it until she um, got prepared. She's in a different type of race right now on a much faster boat. What made you decide to challenge yourself like that? Was there something in your upbringing? I... Like I am the type of person that I really need something that I can pour myself into. Like I love big things that I can sink myself into, you know, whether it's the films or or whatnot. And I was at a point I was, um, I'll, I'll tell y'all, you know, my father passed away about six months ago oh. and it kind of makes you look at life a bit differently. And um, I, I love cruising, but I needed something more. And I was in Vanuatu at the time, and I had just been thinking, what's next for me? I was going to maybe go back to school for um, screen screenwriting, or I was thinking about getting my pilot's license. I mean, I was going to keep the boat, but I, I wanted something big. I wanted to learn. I was thirsty to learn new things. Well, I found out about the race. I found out because a woman from South Africa won last year. And then somebody said, well, tell me more about the race. You know, just another cruiser and I were talking about it. And I looked it up and I found out that my boat was perfect for it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what are the rules? And then I found out that you couldn't have modern technology. And then I started to really get like electric inside by the idea, you know, it felt like electrical inside of me because, wow, that's going to feed me in all these ways that I was looking to be fed. Right. Um, So by the next day, I was texting people and uh, trying to get in touch with racers from the previous race. I scheduled a call with two of those racers, one of them being the woman who won. Talked to them each for about an hour, and I was like, yeah, I think I can do this. Then I spoke to the race committee, and he was like, you are made to do this. Like I've, I've been, I've looked you up. Uh Like you are the type of person that can do this. And I said, well, I don't know if I have enough experience. He said, Olivia, you have the, you're already doing this. What's the difference? And, uh, So that gave me some assurance. And then I still wasn't sure. But then I dreamt that I was in the race for many, many nights straight. Mm -hmm. And my dreams are my messages from God. That And and the dream was showing me that it was a very uplifting thing to do for my life, that uh, everything just felt elevating. You know, I, I can't really describe it. I just would see myself on the water and I was told that I was in the race and I it was easier than I imagined it would be. I guess he was showing me that he was with me if if that was a decision I decided to make, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just kept dreaming and dreaming and it was I, it was like a bad song stuck in my head, you know? And mm-hmm. you, I, it wouldn't shut up till I sang along. So now I'm singing along. <laughs> <laughs> so they, do they do the Golden Globe race every year? Every four years. Every four years, because mm-hmm. you got to prepare. Yeah, the, I have to do a lot of training to prepare for this race. And I, I wanted to be a better sailor. I wanted to learn more. And this is going to do it for me. Does it, how much money is it going to cost for oh, you? Three, I need to raise about $300,000, and I'm a tenth of the way there. <laughs> so you've got $30,000. Yeah. And you've got to raise $300,000. I have to raise $300,000, but I can have a title sponsor. So, for example, one year DHL sponsored somebody, and they painted the boat in the DHL colors, mm-hmm. and they named the boat DHL Starlight. So that's like title sponsorship. That would be somebody who wanted to give the full shebang. Yeah. But the return on investment on this race is quite big. Um, plus, I'm documenting it with a Netflix filmmaker who documented all the SpaceX launches. So we're turning the, you know, it's going to be good exposure for somebody to come on board. And my goal is to have a big Arkansas company. I would oh, love that sure, because yeah. I'm from here, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I think that would be amazing. Dillard. Right. It could be Dillard's. It could be Dillard's. It could be Walmart. Walmart. It could be Tyson. It could be anybody. So do you make a living off of your filmmaking? I do. Right. Like I told you, um, like National Geographic, Google, these different people hire me to do stuff. So my income comes from creating, uh, like, people will come to me and say, we want to tell a story about this. 
help us create, you know, a, a do, let's do some storytelling around this. So I'll come up with like a 10 video series or 20 video series or five video series. How uh, did they get your name originally? Aren't through there- my filmmaking. Right. And then it's word of mouth. So somebody saw my film and then they said, hey, check this girl out. And then one company hires me to do something. And then another company sees that. And another, like I said, Melissa McCarthy, she just happened to see the show I did for Vice and loved it. And she saw all the episodes and she noted that because I wasn't the only producer, but every show she liked, I had produced. We lived with Native Alaskans and went subsistence hunting and we lived with the Muslim community. You know, and again, it's that idea of like, we're going to show you somebody just living their life so you can see how similar they actually are to you. And you get deep into their way of life. Yeah. Gotcha. Eth- ethno, what'd you call it? Ethnographic. Ethnographic. So, so I watched a uh, documentary or not a document excerpt from 60 Minutes years ago on these people who, the Mokans who went to the higher lands because they knew about the Tasami t- coming because of folklore. Yeah. Did they learn about that through your film? No, um, no, because I went back 10 years after the tsunami. So... Mm. Uh, I probably learned about it through somebody mm-hmm. else that mm-hmm. had done it in the media. Um, and the way that my film is different is that it's just being told through the voices of the Mokin themselves and is more, a bit more poetic. You know, I I don't interject myself or show their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. Um, all right. Let's tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Wildernessofwaves.com is my website and then wilderness of waves is also my instagram and my youtube and there's contact info on all of there there is so much stuff and people can follow you along uh give to you right now help you reach your goals um um safety you said there's going to be safety because you'll be able to have a one-way radio to call out see if you can find anybody there um talk about how you think this this trip will bring awareness to endangered indigenous people. So I was talking, I was speaking about the Northeast Maritime Institute. They have an online global think tank, which is approaching, I mean, they're looking at, they're looking at issues on the water and they're teaming up with scientists and they're finding way, they're finding solutions. So for example, um, they teamed up with some guys that were upset about, you know, fishing, the fishing nets, the ghost yeah. nets. Yes. And they're coming up with lineless fishing methods. What? Yeah. And so for me, uh, when I went to them, what we're going to do is probably do some storytelling around indigenous communities. We're, uh, we'll do a big global map and have different people upload from all over the earth and kind of show how big this problem is and highlight all the areas. But you where won't be stopping there. I won't be stopping, but I'm going to help create this community. And then we're going to, I want to start with the Marshallese because I'm from Arkansas and we have the large population of Marshallese immigrants here in Northwest Arkansas. What? Yes. And they came here originally from, for the Tyson chicken factory. And then what happened is they have, they have uh, sea levels rising there. And so a lot of people are coming here now because they already have relatives here and they need to get away from. And where home. did you say this is? Northwest Arkansas. But no, the, the, the Marshall the Islands. Marshall, oh, oh, yeah, okay. the Marshall Islands. They originally started coming here because of nuclear testing, right? They came because of the nuclear testing and Tyson sponsored their relocation in and let them work in the chicken factories. A lot of Marshallese also ended up in Hawaii, but we have the larger population. Yeah. My understanding is that there are more Marshallese dis- descendants in Arkansas than there are still on the Marshall Islands. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And so, so I wanted to, so I want to do some storytelling and this is all still in the works, right? But I want to do some storytelling elements, starting with the Marshallese that who have recently come over due to rising sea levels. And then we're going to build this map out, um, on that, on the website, on the, I'm free because the, the Northeast Maritime Institute hosts it, but it's, it's a bigger think tank that's part of there, mm-hmm. right? And um, from there, I want to make it to where other people can upload from all over the world. Oh, I get you. So I want to start local and then show yep. how this is working on a global scale. And let other documentarians yes. put their, or ethnographics people, put their stories attached to your your map that you're going to be going yes. around. That's really cool. And I want to make it to where anybody could could mm-hmm. upload, right? For example, in the Solomon Islands where I am right now, there are people dealing with us on a daily basis. Like people are having to relocate. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or some people are coming and they're, you know, they're taking rocks off the reef and building new islands to build houses on because they've lost their homes. So um, I want to make it to very easy for somebody to upload regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's going to be a very easy format and then it'll automatically go to certain points on the map where they are. Mm-hmm. And and you I, I read somewhere that you were that Netflix is going to put the man that does is going to put not maybe it's not Netflix, but the gentleman that you're working with is going to put cameras all over your boat. Yes. And he so he is not with Netflix, but he has had all of his stuff released on Netflix. Oh, I see. Um, and he figured out how to rig uh, something rig cameras for extreme conditions, meaning like he was filming SpaceX launches. And now he just rigged a rower who's going from the North Pacific to the South Pacific. And he contacted me, or we have a mutual friend, and he was like, I want to rig your boat. We put 15 cameras all over that can be turned on with the click of a button. Um, It's really hard for me to film myself when stuff is hitting the fan. So this mm-hmm. is just going to make it very easy, mm-hmm. you know, and I can get Exciting. it. Exciting. Yeah. All right. This is our last break. We'll coming right back. I'm going to tell you how you can get in touch with Olivia and stay with her. She is a sailor, Captain Olivia Wyatt. She is honing her skills and um, trying to cl- save money and make preparations for her 2026 Golden Globe race around the world, at which time she sails nonstop solo using 1968 technology to bring awareness to our sinking seas and give encouragement to young women and sailors of all gender. We'll be right back to give you all the information about how you can follow her and remind you of where you can give. Dancing into Dreamland, the extraordinary fundraiser for flagandbanner.com is less than a month away. Dancing into Dreamland 2024 at Taborian Hall in Dreamland Ballroom is Saturday night, February 17th. All the tables have already been sold, but you do still have a chance to be there. General admission tickets and our big, beautiful sponsor boxes are still available. Get yours now before they're all gone. And we need your help, too, with some silent auction donations. Please go to the website dreamlandballroom.org. Find out about getting tickets, making donations to the silent auction, and not missing one of the most exciting nights in Little Rock every year. Dancing into Dreamland 2024 is February 17th. We're speaking today with the beautiful and daring Olivia Wyatt, who was born in landlocked Little Rock, Arkansas, but has fallen in love with the sea and sailing. She has sailed solo for 23 days from California to Hawaii and has made three feature-length films about the places she has been and the indigenous people she's met. I highly recommend Captain Olivia's YouTube channel, Wilderness of Waves. Wilderness of Waves. Wilderness of Waves, or her Instagram for your viewing pleasure. They're all called Wilderness of Waves. It's beautiful. She's got a uh, rainbow, what is that, a kaleidoscope? scope on the roof of your boat so she has these rainbow patterns all around i highly recommend you go and look at her youtube channel it's visually charming and fun and she takes you on a tour of her boat which is really interesting you said olivia i'm racing to raise awareness about indigenous communities whose homes are in jeopardy due to rising sea levels i love the sea because she keeps me wide-eyed honeycombed and wild, and I'm excited to be a part of the 2026 Golden Globe race. I, it's really actually odd how petite and cute and charming and what a badass you are all at the same time. It's Isn't that, it's really an oxymoron looking at you. Yeah, a walking paradox. Well, I think that that's one thing I always try to show, like my weaknesses or my vulnerability to to show that anybody can do this, right? I mean, if I can do this, you can do it. That's the big thing I say. It's very encouraging. It really is. It really encouraged me to watch what all you've done with your little young petite self doing all these brave things. I thought, come on, get up off the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Do something. I just want people to go chase after their dreams. I mean, you can make any dream a reality. I believe it. You you are. So let's let's tell our listeners um, you can follow Olivia again at find more information at the links at wildernessofwaves.com, wildernessofwaves.com, Golden Globe 2026, her Instagram, Wilderness of Waves uh, on the Golden Globe 2026. Is that where they donate and give money? Uh, on wilderness through wilderness of waves, I have it set up for PayPal or Venmo, or and if somebody wants to come on in a bigger way, wants to put stickers on the boat, um, then just reach out to me directly, and you know we we can iron it. So would you out. change Juniper's name? I would for a sponsor. 
You would. <laughs> and then and then when it was over, you put her back her name. Who named her Juniper? I did. What she, was her original name? Her original name was Lorac, which is Carol Backwards, L-O-R-A-C. And it literally was Carol Backwards. That one was of, the point? Yes. Wow. Was that her boyfriend? That was the 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 ghost oh, right. wife. Wife. Yeah, it was I mean, Carol. Girlfriend. Yeah. That's what is it with people naming their their children backwards? Okay, I've just got to tell this really off off the subject. I have a girlfriend named Delora, D L O R A H. It is her father's name, Harold, backwards. Isn't that just hilarious? I like that. <laughs> and her mother's name was Neil, and so they named her Lynn and spelled it Neil backwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. she's her mother and her father's name backwards. And so my father always called her Backward Harold all of her life. <laughs> Backward Harold. Uh, I'm glad you changed your boat's name. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. So we want to give you something from Arkansas. We have you a 12 by 18 inch boat flag for your oh, boat. Yay. It's a U.S. flag. I don't know if you want to fly that yes. some of the places you go. And an Arkansas flag. Yay. So that's your Arkansas boat flag. And that, yay. And, that, and they are boat ready. Awesome. I'm so excited. Yes, I I am an American flag vessel for this race. So I'll be flying the American Ta-da. flag and hopefully they'll let me put the Arkansas state flag on it. That'd be fun. Really if represent. not, you can do it later. Yeah. yeah. I've really enjoyed meeting with you and talking with you so much. You are such an inspiration. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Good luck to you in, in all that you're about to do. It's so exciting. We're going to all follow Very. you. Arkansas Flag and Banner is going to give you some money on the website. We are really excited about you doing this. And I can't believe you're from Little Rock, Arkansas, landlocked, and you're a seafarer like you are. Thank you again, Olivia. Thank Good luck you. again. God bless you, child. To, I guess you're not a child. I'm no. 41. Oh, okay. No way but when he asked i was like i'm 31 like <laughs> i gave well, myself you, a decade less you know <laughs> you don't you have the spirit of a 31 year old this my friend was like olivia i can't figure out how old you are because you act so young but you look and i was like don't you say that <laughs> he was gonna say you look so old i was you like i'm offended <laughs> you don't even look like you stay say, in the sun very much yeah really yeah. you live on a boat I imagine that's like a ritual like too it. like sun protection when you're out on a boat yes gotta put a lot of sunscreen on yeah yeah yeah. you don't even look like you are wind weathered from being out there all the time well i mean i've been in arkansas for a month now so i'm doesn't matter you still I'm, don't look like you <laughs> live on the ocean casper, casper. <laughs> <laughs> this show was recorded in the hollow walls of the Taborian Hall in Little Rock, Arkansas, and made possible by the good works of FlagandBanner.com, our audio engineer and local celeb, Mr. Tom Wood, summa cum laude videographer, Mr. Jonathan Hankins, production manager, my daughter, Miss Megan Pittman, and my co-host, Mr. Grady McCoy IV, a.k.a. Sun Gray. Thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it Whatever it is will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream. 